0: Why, God, why? We'll return to that in a moment. First, I would just have to take an aside, and it is my great, it gives me great pleasure, it is my great pleasure to tell all you Cornerstoners, all you Cornerstone people, that we, your pastors, there are five of us right now, your pastors are putting forth today a, a man from our group, a man from our church, a man from our assembly, to be a candidate to be added to the number of our pastors and to bring us up to six. And his name is drum roll. That's it. Very good. Well done. His name is Jim Dillman. Yeah. Jim's part of the running sound today, but he's standing back there. I think he's smiling, but I can't tell he's wearing a mask. so, Jim has been meeting with us, your remaining, your existing pastors, for some time now. We've had him involved in pastoral things. He's part of our elders' meetings. He participates in our weekly uh, emails and texts and calls and Zoom meetings and all that stuff. Um, so we're, we're getting very acquainted, that we have been getting very acquainted with him. And um, it's been a real pleasure. Here's how it works going forward. We will remind you from time to time, probably via e-news, that Jim is a candidate for Uh, Our eldership. We are encouraging you, the members of the church, to go to him or us with your encouragements or concerns. And uh, at such time as we decide there seem to be no more concerns, there probably won't be any anyway, Um, probably about a month from now, we will somehow allow you, the members, to vote. I say somehow because more than half of the members aren't even back in the building yet because they have little kids and they're concerned about COVID. So it will probably be uh, a survey monkey vote. And uh, that has worked for us before. And at that point, uh, Jim will be one of our elders and we'll have a public installation or ordination for him sometime soon, the Lord willing. All right, back to the message. That was an aside. The message is titled, Why God? And I would be very surprised if most or all of you have not at some point in your Christian life asked God that question. Why, Lord? Why, Lord? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why are you not bringing that thing so desired my way? Why, God? What what possible purposes could you have for allowing me to go through this? And to get us started, I want to go back to those opening verses. Rob, would you take us back up to Job 5, 7, please? And and tell you, here's here's a, a lead up to the first reason I'm gonna give you why you might be suffering. This will go with the first reason I'm gonna give you. I'll give you the title of that reason in a moment, but these verses will build up to it. Here's what is said in the book of Job Man, humans, that's you, that's me, are born to trouble. So when you have a baby, you can say, Here comes trouble. And you can say to the baby, you're born to trouble. Just as sure as sparks. You ever watch sparks? They never go, they always go up because they're heated and they're lighter than the air and they go up. There's a draft that's taking them up. Whatever it is, there's physics. I'm not a physicist. But man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. This is to encourage you so you're not surprised, so you're not disillusioned, so you're not disappointed, so you're not taken aback when bad stuff comes your way, so you don't say, wait a minute, what's this? How did this get into my life? What's this doing here? Like we sometimes say. No, no, no. The Bible's telling you how to think about that situation. Oh, I get it. I'm born to this. Just as sure as sparks always go upward. Back to the verses, please, Rob, in the book of Acts, Acts 14, 21. They preach the gospel. They led a people to Christ. They return back to other cities. Next verse, please. They want to strengthen. They want to encourage believers. And so they tell them, fourteen twenty-two, please, here it comes. Thank you. And here's what they told them to encourage them, saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. You've become a believer. You've become a follower. You've become a disciple. You're entering the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God there is seen as that future version of it when you'll be with Christ and the new heavens and the new earth. What happens between here and there? And the apostles wanted to make sure that the disciples didn't get this wrong, which would lead to their disillusionment and disappointment and grief. And so he told them, I just want you to know The way forward is a difficult way. It will be through many tribulations. So don't be surprised, as Peter said to his people. Don't think it's some strange thing when some, even he uses the word, fiery trial comes your way. Lord, this one's fiery. What's this doing in my life? No, Peter says, don't be surprised. You're right on course. This is what happens to all people on the planet. This is life on a fallen planet. Don't be surprised. Don't think that now that you're a follower of Christ, it'll all be rosy and you'll be exempt from the fallenness of this place. No, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. So here's the first point I want to give you. Let me spell it right out. Those verses led up to it. But why do we suffer? Here's why. Reason number one. Sometimes we suffer just because We live in a fallen world. I want to say, but I don't have any data on this, but I want to say my opinion that more often than not, that is why we suffer. Why am I suffering this stuff that I'm suffering? Well, what do you expect? You're living on a fallen planet. From time to time, Christians tell me they're suffering and then they start telling me how they've been racking their brains and scavenging their souls, looking for the reason why God would be allowing this suffering. Is there a secret sin in my life? Is there something I'm doing? Is there something that I need to grow in? I don't know what it is. I don't know why God's allowing this. What are His possible purposes? More often than not, I think right here, right there, or right there if you're at home, is the answer to that question. You are suffering just because you're living in a fallen world. Now, let me show you that, and we're going to go back to the book of Genesis. And the early chapters of the book of Genesis are so important if you want to live godly and follow christ jesus they explain so much so let's look at genesis three fourteen. you know the backstory god said eat anything you want just don't eat that one they ate that one they fell and we all fell we sinned with them and fell in them in their first transgression says the westminster shorter catechism and here's what god said to them after they fell first he addressed the livestock genesis three fourteen, and he said cursed are you the, the serpent, above all livestock. That means all livestock is now cursed, but you are above them all. But all, all animals on the planet, all living things are now operating and living under a curse. All the beasts of the field. Why do the big cats keep eating, eating the little cats? Why did my dog die? There was a time when we had two cats. I know. Can you believe it? Me? We had cats. I know. (laughs) You all didn't know me then, did you? We had two cats. Their names were Calvin and Hobbes. They were awesome. I really loved Calvin because he was a hunter. We lived in Riverside, California, and he lived outdoors pretty much at night, and he'd go out and hunt, and at like 2 a.m., he had a, you know how cats have different meows that mean different things? He'd be outside the door with that meow that means, I got one. I want you to see it. You're not going to sleep till you come see it, and I'd have to get up, go out, open the door and look, and there he had a lizard or a snake or a bird or a squirrel or whatever. He had something, and I'd have to say, good kitty, Calvin. That's amazing. You're an awesome hunter, and he really was, and I loved him. And Hobbes, what happened to Hobbes? He liked to sleep, apparently, we didn't know this. He liked to sleep in our garage, up in the engine compartment of our Oldsmobile station wagon. And one day, when a certain member of our family, who wasn't me, turned on the car, Hobbes met an early demise. I got called home from work. I was down at the church. I got called. It was a bad day in the Heartland home. Why? Why does my cat crawl up in my engine compartment and I go turn on my car and it takes care of my cat? Why do these things happen? Answer, it is not because Hobbes had sinned some particular sin. It is not because God was trying to teach Hobbes something or teach us something, humility or whatever it is. It was because this is life on a fallen planet and cursed animals die sometimes and they die in often circumstances sometimes that was to the animals then he addresses the woman genesis 3:16 important verse ladies important verse genesis 3:16 please to the woman he said i will surely multiply your pain in childbearing in pain you shall bring forth children Stay back on that previous verse, please. Thank you. In pain, multiply your pain. In pain. Now, I know we live in the blessed days of modern analgesics, the science of pain relief. And you might get a spinal, what do they call it, spinal block or spinal tap or spinal whatever it is, and you don't feel any pain. But I bet before that day, leading up to that day, Turning like the door on its hinges in your bed at night, trying to get some sleep with all that going on. I bet you felt some discomfort. I don't know what we were thinking, but all four of ours, all four of our boys were delivered naturally. No pain relief, no nothing. We were hardcore. I was there for all of them. I was coaching the whole process. I was there when it happened. And let me tell you, there was pain. Why, God? Why am I suffering this pain in my pregnancy? Is it because of a specific sin that you're trying to deal with me about? Is it because you want to teach me something about following Christ better? No, I'll tell you why. The book of Genesis already told you why. You don't need to ransack your life and your conscience. Why? Here's why. This is life on a fallen planet. There's pain, There's emotional pain, there's psychological pain, there's physical pain. Why, Lord, why am I feeling this pain? I'm a child of God, I'm trying to follow you faithfully. I'd be so much better at it if I wasn't feeling all this pain. And you're looking for the reason, looking everywhere. Why is God allowing this? Genesis chapter 3 tells you why. It's part of life on a fallen planet. There's going to be pain. And to Adam he says, Genesis 3, 17, please. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Now, men don't run off in the wrong direction with that. (laughs) Most of the time, you need to listen to the voice of your wife. But if she's being used as a tool of the evil one, then you don't listen to that. But Adam, listened to that. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, guess what? There are consequences. Here they are. Um, The tree that I told you, you should not eat it. Cursed is the ground, the planet, the earth. It's all under a curse because of you. And in pain, there's pain for the woman and there's pain for the man. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. There's going to be pain. Now, Adam, guess what? Work is going to become work. The next verse gives us more specifics on the story. Genesis three eighteen and 19, two verses. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Why does everything keep going wrong? Why do things break? Why does stuff that I try to do go bad? Why did I plant a garden? I know a guy in our church who planted a big garden. I've been there numerous times. I've seen his garden, beautiful garden. They worked real hard to build this place, to put the garden. Some kind of bugs ate it all. Why, Lord, why do these things happen? Thorns and thistles and bugs it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread. Why is work so hard? Go on with that verse. Till you return to the ground. That's death. Now there's going to be pain and sweat and hard work and death. You all look so encouraged. But you need to understand, this is what God told us way back right after our fall Guess what? Now that you collectively ate the forbidden fruit, we sinned in them and fell with them in their first transgression. Now that you did that, there's a curse over everything. There's a curse over the planet. There's a curse over your husbandry, your farming, your work. There's a curse for the man. There's a curse for the beast. There's a curse for the woman. You are living in a bad place. It is a hostile environment. Bad things are going to happen. You're going to return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Genesis chapter 3, I believe, is telling us the answer to the question why for most occasions when we ask the question why. Why, Lord? Here's why. Go read Genesis 3. This is what I told you was going to happen. Now, That's probably, my guess, I don't have data, 90% of the time when you're suffering, that's why. You're looking for cause and effect. I'm having an effect, it's unpleasant. What's the cause? You're trying to trace it back to something in your life. You're trying to trace it back to something you did. You're trying to trace it back to something you didn't do. No, 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 it's just that you were born in this planet. That's why. In the New Testament, Jesus teaches this. Take us to Luke chapter 13, please, O slide man. Jesus says, uh, well, I'm sorry, there was some present. Jesus is somewhere teaching. There was some present at that very time who told him about these Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So they were in church, if you will, and in church there were sacrifices and it was bloody because they were offering up animals in sacrifice to God, according to the Old Testament scriptures. But Pilate sent some soldiers in there with swords and spears and ran them through, so their blood was mingled with the blood of the sacrifices while they're in the very act of worshiping God. Like, why, God, would you allow that to happen? I was in worship. What's going on here? And then Jesus asked them this amazing, this amazing perceptive question. And he answered them, what do you think, people? How do you assess that? What cause and effect relationship do you establish with them and that? Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? And the people in that day answered in their hearts, Well, yeah, that was their theology of suffering. That's how they understood grief. If Pilate's men mingle your blood with the sacrifices you're offering, you must be bad. You've been harboring some secret sin. You're doing some bad thing. God is dealing with you. That's why this happened. That was their theology. Jesus answers, Luke 13, verse 3, no. No. It's not that they were unusual sinners. It's not that they had done some special thing and now God's dealing with them about it. There's no direct cause and effect relationship between what's going on in their life and what happened to them with Pilate's soldiers' swords. No, he said, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, they're no worse than you. You're alive. They're dead. Why are they dead? Their theology said because they were bad. Jesus says, No, no, your theology is all messed up. They weren't any more bad than you are. It's not because of extra badness in their life that this happened. You know why this happened? Because this is life on a fallen planet. There are people with swords who will run you through. It might just happen. It happened to these people, it wasn't special sin. Here, here, the Lord tells a second story to make his point clear, Luke 13, 4. Or, he says to them, those 18, they all knew about it, it was in the news. Those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell. You remember there's a pool in Siloam where Jesus healed somebody. There's also a tower in Siloam. But it fell, and it killed eight people, and Jesus asks this amazing question, do you think, and their answer was yes, do you think that they, those 18, were worse offenders than all the others who live in Jerusalem? Maybe there was a guy, let's name him Guy, Guy was standing by that tower when it fell, and the tower crushed Guy, and Guy died when the Siloam Tower fell, and Guy had a wife, and her name is Barbara, and Barbara's at home, and she's saying, why, Lord, Why did you let that tarot fall on my husband? He must have had a secret sin. Or is it because I have a secret sin? Do I need to ransack my soul and find out what it is? Or is it because because you need me to grow in some big way, so you're really working in me? And by the way, it might have been all of those things in addition to Genesis 3, because sometimes there's more than one reason for why something happens. But there might have been a wife or a bunch of wives or husbands or kids saying, why, Lord, why? And looking for a human reason to establish the cause and effect. And the Lord Jesus answered and says, next verse, please. No. No, it's not that. It's not about a secret sin you have. It's not about a secret sin he had. It's not about something God's trying to do in you through this. It may be that as well. But here's the main thing I tell you. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. It's because they are fallen, and you are fallen, and everybody is fallen. You trace it back to Genesis chapter 3. Now, I want you to note something. and, And I... Constructed this whole sermon for this point. So if you've been asleep so far, wake up. If you're planning on going to sleep soon, don't do it yet. All right? When bad things happen and you ask why, all right, that might be good. We'll see later in the sermon, which might become next week. We'll see. Um, we'll see later in the sermon, sometimes it is because God is dealing with you about a sin in your life. We'll see later in the sermon. Sometimes it is because God wants you to grow in a certain way, or he wants to spare you of certain temptations. But more often than not, I think it's not those things. More often when bad things happen and you ask why I want you to understand what you're really asking. There are a couple of things you're really asking, but they're hidden, and you might not be seeing them, and you might not be thinking about them. Number one thing that you're really asking, Lord, I know about Genesis 3 and the fall and curse it and pain and sweat until you die, return to the ground. I know about all that, but why is this happening? Which seems to imply, shouldn't I be exempt from that effect of the fall? Do you realize what you're really asking for, what you really want is, Lord, can I have a little fall-free bubble here? Can I have a little fall-free zone where I can just go around and there's no pain and there's no sweat and there's no thorns and thistles and there's no bugs that eat my garden and there's no death even? Lord, can I just have a pain-free place? Why, Lord? Why would you let this happen to me? Well, what do you expect? You're a part of the fallen planet. Do you want me to create a little zone for you? Do you want me to make you and only you exempt? They all have to suffer, but you, oh, I'll spare you of suffering. That's what you're really expecting. That's what you're really asking for. When bad things happen and you ask why, your suffering is a very small sampling of human suffering. It is a part of a great whole, to ask the part is to really ask about the whole. So here's, this, here's the second thing that I want to say about when you ask why. One, you're asking, "Can I be exempt from the fall?" The second thing you're asking is, really, Lord, why did you permit a fall?" in the first place? You really ask you've become a philosopher, and you're asking one of the great Christian philosophical questions. Why did God permit the fall? Now, that's another sermon. Maybe we'll have to follow this up with with that sermon. Why did he permit the fall? But he did. And permitting the fall and then doling out some consequences for the fall, when you say, why, Lord? You're really acting as if, you're really acting as if, God, if you were really a good God, if you were really a loving God, you would have never permitted any of this. If you don't think he's loving for permitting it to happen to you, then you must be consistent. Nor do I think he's loving if he permits it to happen to everyone. So he's not being a very loving God by allowing me to suffer. So you're expecting to be exempt from the fall, and you're questioning why God allowed the fall in the first place. But I'm I'm here to tell you, the greater part of our suffering is due to what we read in genesis 3 and you need to just say to yourself maybe go ahead ransack your soul a little bit lord is there something and if you don't come up with something quick i have a theory about that by the way if if you ransack your soul and you don't come up with something quick my theory is i can't prove this in scripture this is a steve hartland theory so take it for what little it's probably worth all right but my theory is if god is chastening you if God is disciplining you, or if God is dealing with you to try to teach you some lesson, he will let you know it. So, I already told you earlier, we raised four sons. And not only did we deliver them, we, meaning Debbie, deliver them all with no analgesics to help with the pain, um, but we also raised them all, I can't believe I'm telling you this, refusing to spend money on plastic diapers and using only cloth diapers. You all bunch of parents using plastic diapers. Pfft. You don't even know. When we were finished with the last diaper, we joked about having it bronzed in the shape of their little butt putting it on the mantle that was the last four years of cloth diapers well we were old school and i hope you'll be old school with us because i think old school is bible school and sometimes they would get a whooping. we had tools for the whooping here and there in our life so they were handy if needed now If you ever gave a kid a whoopin' when they're wearing a double layer of soggy cloth diaper, I'm just here to tell you, they don't feel a thing. You're not doing very good discipline if you give give them a whoopin' through a double cloth soggy diaper and think it's going to mean something in their life. If you're good at discipline, you want them to know what this is about. You want them to feel the pain. My theory is, I don't have it from scripture, the Steve Hartland theory on this is, when God is disciplining you, you will know it. You will be able to make an immediate cause and effect relationship between, oh, this is because I was thinking that he's doing this. This is because I did the other he's doing this. You'll know it. And if he's doing it because he wants you to grow, remember the apostle Paul, this is later in the sermon, but I'll peek ahead. The apostle Paul had that thorn in the flesh given to him. And Paul says three times, Lord, please take it away. Please take it away. Please take it away. I want a a, a bubble. I want a thorn free little bubble I can move around in, in life. The thorn is inhibiting me. It's keeping me back from gospel ministry. It hurts, whatever it was. And the Lord said, no, no. And furthermore, no. I want you to have it. It's custom tailor made for you. And here's why because of the great revelations that have been given to you, you will exalt yourself without it. So, Paul was given knowledge. Oh, I know why. I've been such an, I'm, I'm so tempted to arrogance. I could so easily fall into pride. God is doing this to me. My theory is God will let you know if it's other than Genesis 3 or a few other things we're going to look at that could be some other causes. But I'm saying most of the time we suffer, it's because that's life on the planet. Here's a second reason we suffer. Sometimes we suffer because there's a heavenly contest. because there's a heavenly contest. How many of you can think of what what Bible person I'm referring to, what Bible passage I'm referring to? Let me hear it. Yeah, yeah, well done, y'all. Young man over there said it out loud, the loudest, good young man. Sometimes we suffer because there's a heavenly contest. Now, we're going to go to Job, but before we do, let me just point out in the book of Job, early on, we read, there was a day when the angels, elect and evil, the fallen and non followers came and presented themselves before God and gave an account of what they've been doing. And one day the devil's there to give his account. I think we're led to believe this happens regularly. It still happens probably, but we don't know that for sure. But there he was giving an account. And the Lord said to the devil, where have you been? And the devil says, I've been out roaming around the earth. And God says to him, have you considered my man? Have you noticed my man, Job? Here's how it goes. Uh, verse eight, please. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? So that gives you a little hint. The things that are about to happen to Job are not because of some sin, some gross some soul destroying sin he's secretly living in. It's not because there's some massive thing wrong with him that God's trying to deal with. No, he's the best dude on the planet. So, have you considered him? He is blameless. That's good. Thank you. You were anticipating me, Rob. Appreciate it, man. He was a blameless and upright man, and he fears God and he turns away from evil. Pretty good dude. By the grace of God, because of the saving mercies of Jesus Christ, because of redemption applied backward from the cross to this man Job, because of the new heart that he had and his passion for the things of God. That was Job. A man who fears God and turns away from evil. And the devil says, in intervening verses before the next verse we get to, that's only because you've blessed him. Look at the family. Look at your house. Look at his possessions. Look at all the stuff you've given him. Sure. Sure, he follows you You've bribed him You bless him Verse 11 But I want you to hear the hiss in this But stretch out your hand And touch All that he has And he will curse you To your face Now the devil's not omniscient Because he's not God He doesn't know everything. He didn't know with certainty what Job was about to do. But he's been around a long time, and he's tempted a whole lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, and he never slumbers, and he never sleeps, and he's a very busy devil, and he's on his mission. So he's studied humans a lot, and I think he actually made a pretty good guess. His guess was, yeah, you stop blessing him, you start striking him, and you'll see what he's really made of. So the Lord says, all right, verse 12, the Lord said to Satan, behold, you want him? All right, behold, all that he has, is in your hand. Only, there's a limit, against him, do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and he heaped havoc upon Job. I'm not going to put all these verses up, but all of his oxen and donkeys, the Sabians came and struck them down with the servants who were tending to them. All his sheep and all the servants who were tending to them, lightning fell from heaven and killed all of them. The Chaldeans came in a raid and took all the camels and struck down all the servants who were keeping them, struck them down with swords. His sons and daughters were eating in a house and a great wind blew and the house fell and they were all killed. Lost all of his livestock, lost all of his servants, lost all of his sons and daughters. Has anybody here suffered that badly? Look how Job responds to that. Verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe. That's what you did when you were mourning. And shaved his head. That's what you did when you were mourning. And fell on the ground and worshipped. And worshipped. It's amazing. Here we get a peek into his worship. Verse 21. And he said, naked, naked. Some of y'all say naked. It's all right. Naked, naked, I don't care. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave. All that stuff I had that I just lost, it was the Lord who gave it, and the Lord, all that stuff, has taken it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we get a little peek into Job and see he was a righteous man. He did have a heart for God. He was a true worshiper because all this happens to him and all that comes out of his heart is blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22. In all this, verse 22. I'm going to cut your salary in half, Rob. He didn't get paid anything for this. Verse 22. Verse 22. In all this, I'll just read it for you. He's having a problem back there. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He never said, Lord, this isn't right. Lord, why would you allow? Lord, if I were you, if I were, I'm a loving father, I wouldn't let this happen to my kids. He didn't say any of that All he said was, well, it's the Lord who gave it to me. It's the Lord who took it. I'll worship him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amazing man. Round two. Another day, angels elected evil present themselves. Satan and Job. Satan is there to talk to God about Job. God says, where have you been? Roaming. Have you considered Job? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. And here's what Satan says. Verse four. Rob's right on it. He got it fixed. Skin for skin. All that a man has, he will give for his life. You didn't didn't let me take his life. You didn't let me strike him. You put a limit on it. I was only able to strike his stuff and his family. but, But you didn't let me strike him. And all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your hand. All right, now you can get him. Only spare his life. You know what happens next if you've read the story. Job is covered in boils. He's sitting in a pile of ashes. Do you know why the ashes? In part because they did mourning with ashes, but in part because that was like the sealy posturpedic of his day you're covered in boils you want to sit on something soft he's sitting on the softest thing you could find which was ashes and he's scratching his itching boils with a piece of broken pot and his wife says to him will you still hold fast to your integrity curse god and die he says you speak like one of the foolish women shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil in all this Job did not sin with his lips and then his friends show up and they spend seven days just sitting in silence with him which is not a bad idea if you want a class on mourning with somebody who suffered loss morning 101 not a bad idea just be there you don't need to say anything don't try and fix it with your words they're not going to go in they're not going to fix it they're in pain and in chapter 3, Job laments the day of his birth, and he uses words in that chapter like misery and bitterness and sighing and groanings. And now the last verse of chapter 3, here is a summary of Job's life at this point. Job 3, 26, I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Don't raise your hands. Any, can anybody sympathize with that? Anybody ever felt like that? Like, that's, that's me, I'm living there. And why did it happen? One of Job's counselors speaks up and and he has a reason why. His name is Eliphaz or Eliphaz, verse 7. He's got the same thing that the tower people had. He's got the same thing that, that, uh, what was it, the tower and the what? You can't remember either? The tower that fell in Siloam and what was the other thing? Oh, the Galileans and their swords. So, Eliphaz speaks and says, verse 7, Remember, who that was innocent ever perished. Job, this stuff is happening to you because you're guilty, especially guilty. You've got a secret sin. There's something you're hiding. There's something you're harboring. Or who or, or where were the upright cut off? As I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Job, you're reaping what you have sown. In chapter 42, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, "'My anger burns against you and against your two friends, "'for you have not spoken of me what is right "'as my servant Job has.'" When you assume God is punishing you, when you assume God is trying to get you, when you assume God is chastening you, but he hasn't made it clear by taking off the soggy diaper and giving on good hard whack and letting you know what's really going on. When you just assume it must be me, there must be something in me, I can't find it, but it must be me, I'm a terrible person. Yes, you are, but we all are. When you assume that it's something God did when God had not done it, it says the Lord's anger burns against you. You are bearing false witness against God. Why did Job suffer so? It was not because he was tottering toward covetousness. It was not because he took an extra glance at the girl in the office. It was not because he had some secret sin. The the text bends over backwards to tell us, no, it wasn't any of that in Job's life. Why was it? Here's why. You've waited long enough. Here's why. All this happened to Job, having nothing to do with him. Maybe had secondary causes to do with him. Had, having nothing primarily to do with him. It happened because he was, I hope you won't mind me using this term, he was collateral damage in a cosmic warfare. The whole reason this happened is because the devil is accusing Job and God is bragging on Job, and they go into a war. Sometimes when you suffer, it's just it, the cause and effect is Genesis 3. It's a life on a fallen planet, brother. And sometimes when you're suffering, it's still not you. It's going to be you later. We'll get to the you reasons next week, I can see now. Um, I'm suffering right now. I need more time on the clock uh sometimes it it, it is you sometimes it is your sin sometimes it is god chastening you sometimes it is other things but most of the time it's probably just life on a fallen planet and some of the time it's not about you you're just collateral damage and guess what you're honored because god is bragging on you to the devil this is conjecture i think it's fair conjecture this is not the only time god ever bragged on one of his people to the devil Don't think it happened once in all history. And the devil said, well, I won't try that again. And maybe that thing you're suffering, you're suffering because the devil came to God and God said, have you considered my servant? Put in your name. Now I have a question for you. Are are you willing? Are you willing? Lord, if it's not even about me, and you're not even chastening me, and it's not even a Genesis 3 thing, though in part it sort of is, and it's not because of some secret sin in my life, and it's not something you're trying to teach me, but it's just that you are proving to the devil that there are people who love you no matter what, and that's why I'm suffering what I'm suffering. Lord, if that's what you want to do with me, bless you. Are you there? Because you need to be there can you say with job like even in all this job did not sin with his lips can you say with job it's the lord took away the lord gave the lord took away blessed i don't see any other reason why this is happening to me maybe i'm collateral damage in a cosmic battle but blessed be the name of the lord there is an invisible heavenly conflict you're caught in the crossfire Maybe your suffering, maybe your battle with never-ending pain, maybe it's not about you at all. Maybe it's just Genesis 3, life on a fallen planet. Or maybe it's not about you at all. It's just you're God's exhibit A. It's quite an honor to be God's exhibit A. And maybe you're God's current exhibit A or one of many exhibit B, C, D and so on before a devil who wants to accuse, the accuser of the brethren. Are you willing? Can you say, Lord, I submit my soul to you. My life is yours. I'm an unworthy and undeserving sinner. And if you choose to make me a Job, I will bless your name. That's where you want to be. Now, I have some more headings, but I'm out of time. I'm going to read you the headings, and Lord willing, if there is a next week, we'll come back to next week. Sometimes we also suffer because somebody else is doing us wrong, and sometimes we suffer because we have done wrong, and sometimes we suffer because God is using our suffering to bless others, and sometimes we suffer because God is using our suffering to teach us some things we need to learn. Here's here's how I'll close this sermon. You like those words, don't you? He said close the sermon. (laughs) Christian or not, you need to know this you're gonna suffer. Some of you who are not believers and you're looking in with us and you're thinking, maybe I, I, I'll become a believer. I wanna know what this is all about. I wanna know what it includes. I wanna know if it'll make my life better. Well, it'll make your life a whole lot better in a lot of ways, but not this one. It will not exempt you from suffering. It will not put you in a little suffer-free bubble. It might bring some new sufferings your way. It might get rid of some old sufferings. But Christian or not, you're going to experience trials. Being a Christian doesn't exempt you from that. Being a Christian doesn't make God say, oh, I'll spare you. You don't get the effects of the fall. Oh, I'll spare you. I won't let you get caught in collateral damage of cosmic battles. Now, there's no pain-free zone. Christian or not, you're going to suffer. Here's a second thing I want to say briefly in closing. But God's grace will uphold you in all of your trials. Remember Paul was suffering with that thorn in the flesh? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Please, Lord, please, oh please, please take it away. Take it away. Take it away. No, no, no. Why not? Because you're going to find that my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is what's going to sustain you. I'm going to leave the suffering. I'm going to pour on my grace. I'm going to see how you thrive Under the pressure of suffering, when I cover you in my grace, God's grace will uphold you in all of your trials. And then a third thing I want to say in closing is this, and a day is coming. Amen? When you will suffer no more. I gave you a little report last Sunday in the sermon on how Debbie's mother, who's living with us, but she's dying, is, uh, is doing, and this morning when I was here and the worship band was rehearsing, and I was here to do my little part in that, and make sure we had this all worked out. Um, I was watching on the phone. We have a cam in her room, so we can look in there and see is everything okay, what's going on. And Debbie was in there singing hymns to her, so sweet. Now she is at this point totally unresponsive. She doesn't answer. She doesn't say anything to you. She can't utter a word. She can't take care of herself in any way, and this morning for the first time we heard what they call that death rattle in her breathing and Debbie texted our son who's a nurse and said I'm hearing that he said yeah she doesn't have long but you know what she's been a lifelong believer in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ she's gonna die and pass into glory and a day is coming a day is coming when she will suffer no more so for you first the cross then the crown that's the order don't get it mixed up don't expect to be cross free I want a cross free zone no this is the cross then comes the crown then comes the glory, then comes the peace, then comes the place with no more tears and no more suffering and no more sorrow. So, Christian or not, you'll suffer. God's grace will uphold you. A day is coming when you will suffer no more. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, there are people listening to this message in this room. And there are no doubt people listening to this message in their homes or wherever they are. And they're suffering. Some of them are suffering badly. Lord, may they find your grace, your upholding grace, your sustaining grace. May they find it to be their daily, all-sufficient supply. Draw them near to yourself Lord Jesus help them to keep looking up to you and following you and would you put would you put the words of Job in our hearts that they may be our words Lord it's you who gave it's it's you who take away blessed be your name some of you listening today are not yet believers in the Lord Jesus I want you to pray with me right now if you have it in your heart to do so Father in heaven I'm a sinner i'm unworthy and undeserving i don't deserve heaven i don't deserve forgiveness but i hear that you're a gracious god i'm praying for grace would you pardon would you forgive would you have mercy on a poor sinner like me i'm praying that i might be saved by the shed blood of the lord jesus christ i'm praying that you'll forgive me of all my transgressions of your law all the times I've grieved the Holy Spirit, all the times I've wounded my own conscience. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. But I'm calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, please receive me. The Lord Jesus says he will not turn away any who come to him. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul, eternal rest. I pray that you'd all find that in Jesus Christ today. Pretend his name that we pray. Amen.